BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So I'm currently 20 miles west of West Memphis. And if you listen to the Redhead Murders series on my podcast, I will bring a mouth for you because this is the location where our very first victim was found. A year after her remains were discovered, they realized what her name was. Her name is Lisa Nichols. And I'm in the current location, right off the interstate, where her body was found by a Hitchhiker, basically. He was walking up this on ramp to get back onto the interstate. It's a little windy and it's cold. It's really muddy. Yeah, I wanted to take you guys out here and show you around. This is the location. I'm sorry, I'm a little shaky. He was in this grassy room. But he was walking through to get back up on the interstate. I haven't listened yet. I can do. Again, this is Lisa Nichols, first victim that I covered in the Redhead Murder series. 30 years ago, this is where her remains were found. So I traveled here to show you this. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast and we'll check around for the other victims. So far, there's been no word of help or really even communicating back from the detectives who are in charge of Lisa's case. As well as the other one. Visa is the only victim of the Redwood series that has been positively identified. That's a pretty good thing. That's Again, I've had no, no help from the detectives on any of the cases. None of the detectives have returned my emails or my thoughts requesting more information, or at least having a discussion with me. I think it's sad when I've covered cases, but on these cases, 
and bring you victims where their family members have spoken out for them. But for this series of women, no one is speaking out for them because all but one remain unknown. And Lisa didn't have any family or friends. It's likely that all or most of these women were in the sex trade or sex trafficking. Not far from here were many of the other victims. It's likely that all of them are murdered by the same person. There is a huge truck parking area down this interstate. So the likelihood of her being there and trying to sell sexual money to a trucker is with this location, she's not hidden, which tells me that the person knew Lisa that he wouldn't get caught. I don't believe it was someone that knew Lisa. So I think that's pretty telling, and I'll talk about that during the next episode. As I am sure you noticed, the video you just listened to was me a week ago. I traveled to the location the victim I told you about in the last episode, Lisa Nichols, was discovered at. It was very cold and it was windy, but it was important to me to travel there and find out what the area looked like. I have found myself very frustrated with this series of cases, so this also was a way for me to show Lisa that although her murderer remains free, I still care enough to share her story. While I was standing at the location that Lisa Nichols was found in, I noticed several things. From the interstate, the on-ramp is below the level of the interstate, with the on-ramp sloping upwards. So drivers would not see a vehicle of any kind that would be pulled over on the on-ramp. Currently, there is a small gas station located at this exit. Other than that, there would be no real reason for traffic, especially at night. While I stood there during the day, only about five vehicles drove by within 20 minutes. This, combined with the fact there was a truck stop down the interstate, on the same side of the road as Lisa's remains were dumped, it leads me to believe she may have been killed from that location. From there, the person, who I'm starting to lean toward being a semi-trucker for reasons I will explain soon, I believe they traveled at night to this very next exit. From the interstate, the off-ramp would take you down in a way to a very small road, From there, he probably just pulled forward and traveled across this small road and then pulled to the side of this quiet and dark on-ramp. There is a lot of space at this location and tall grass, too, so I think he simply pulled her from his truck, dragging or carrying her a short ways from that on-ramp before dumping her and returning to his truck. I think he probably kept his truck on this entire time because it would only take a minute or maybe two at the most to do this before he'd be returning to the truck. I believe he then would have continued up the on-ramp and back over onto the interstate, traveling away from West Memphis, Arkansas. Have you done a podcast about these murders yet? I've only done one, and it was an introduction to the first victim that was found. And it's also the right. only victim who was identified. And that's? It's Elisa Nichols. Okay. This is my friend and grassroots investigator, 
you probably recognize from Netflix docuseries, The Keepers. Jimma Hoskins is not new to this podcast, but while discussing our plans for the two events we are working on together for CrimeCon this year in Nashville, we started to discuss the Redhead murders. It all started from a small thing that I mentioned about how one of the victims was found in Nashville, and most were found in or near Tennessee. The more that I told Gemma about the victims and cases, the more that she wanted to know more. So far, I have been unsuccessful in getting cooperation for this series from the detectives assigned to these cases. So when Gemma offered her help, I couldn't turn her down. Where's her family? She doesn't have any. At the time of her death, she had two brothers. But from all of the reports that I found and that I've sifted through, they never came to even claim her body. Oh my God. Yeah, so I think that they were definitely estranged, weren't connected at all. And that's a common factor in women who are drifted into this way of life. They don't have family, they don't have friends, so the only thing they can turn to is literally the world's oldest profession, which means they sell sex for money. What can I do to help? Hey, anything that you do would help. This is such a sad case because there's no family members and there's no friends who I can talk to and work with. And typically with cold cases, that's something that keeps those cases alive. Yeah. For example, Sister Kathy's case has been kept alive because of so many people like you and Abby who touched by her as being a teacher. So you guys have revisited that case and ultimately led to the Netflix documentary. But for these women, they don't have family or friends or people whose lives they've touched or anything like that. So... I was hoping that I could get at least the detectives involved because even if I couldn't help in solving the cases, maybe I can help in identifying these women. What about, okay, you talked to one detective, right? Correct. And he has not responded anymore? The one detective I spoke to, he would only speak to me off the record. And he was a detective near the beginning, and he was one of the first people who realized or who questioned that maybe these cases were all related. But unfortunately, the conversation would only happen off the record. So that's the one. How long ago was that, Shane? That would have been three weeks ago. Okay. And can you tell me his name? No. When I spoke to him, I found his name in one of the old articles. Yeah. 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 So when I started looking up people's names and trying to find contact information, called him out of the blue, and he was willing to talk to me once, but he requested that it be off the record. So I can't give his name or his information, and I can't give the exact quotes from him, which is unfortunate because he's the only person related to the case that I have contacted or have had returned my calls or anything. Do you think he's been threatened? Possibly. Like by now, you told me once this started showing up in the paper that the murder stopped, right? Yeah, near the time that they started realizing that these cases may have been related, the severity in the cases stopped. There still were some cases who people questioned on if they could be related, but the majority of the cases who we feel strongly 
could be related to each other. They stopped happening. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation does not consider the person or persons responsible as being an active killer on the loose right now. I believe the final one happened about 20 years ago, if that's right. It happened over about of a 10-year time span. Yeah. But it's an interesting case. Without the detective's help, all I can do is look, dig through information. You know, I, I have had access now to the old news archives, the newspapers. That wasn't right. information that you can just Google. I had to purchase all of those, but... Did you run a background check on Nichols to see if she'd been arrested? Sort of. With Because she's been deceased for so long, there's not mm-hmm. really a background check that one could run. You could only do an okay. unofficial one. There, Like we have the judicial case search in Maryland, and I look up people in there. Yeah. Like, I look up every person I go out with just to see. I don't want to go out with them. No, I'm serious. I do. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if that stuff goes back that far in every state. Do you know if it does? Typically not. Uh, We'd be looking at, like, a 35-year back. I would think that those things would be archived if they're even but it's too bad her name is so common but we do know we do know she had been arrested prior for prostitution she also was known to be a drug addict she had been arrested before for being on drugs so those are things that we know of there's no proof that she ever got arrested for anything like theft or anything like that most of the time it was for prostitution as we deep dive into these chilling tales We all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where Recess Mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water, it's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon, letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with Foul Play. And for the devoted Foul Play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash Shane to get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So... What's your ultimate goal? I would love to at least get these women identified. Back then, I think that the person who killed these women, whether it be one person or many, they succeeded in not getting caught because they probably drove their bodies across state lines. And even today, in 2018, we have a big backlog on unidentified people or people Uh who have been missing for a long time. Uh So... To increase your chances of not getting caught, people will dump them in several states away. Now we have the FBI and we have databases that are devoted to bringing attention to identifying Jane Doe's and John Doe's. But the problem is most states, that's not a requirement for them to use. Which is, I noticed, yeah. I was just going to say it's a, it was a huge surprise to me to find out that those databases are not a requirement. I believe in the state of Indiana, there's only maybe 5% of the current missing cases of people who have been missing for more than six months that have been logged into that database, which means if I was a missing person in Indiana, and if I was not in that database and my remains was found in another state, it's likely that information wouldn't get linked. I would just remain a John Doe. I noticed in at least one of those cases that, of course, they were all found on the side of like highways, which implies a trucker. But I also noticed that one of them said that she was found on the side of the road, but that she had probably died three days before that, which kind of indicates that maybe she was in somebody's truck while they were driving and dumped out like, some someplace else. The other thing I was wondering about, Shane, was that there was one in Georgia and one in Pennsylvania. Those don't seem to be even in the same, I mean, they seem so much farther away than the other ones. For truckers specifically, there's a high rate of them leaving one job and going to another. So the person responsible, if he was a trucker, it's possible that maybe he worked for one company and then switched to another. So his driving route may have been different. Yeah. I guess I was thinking, like, why aren't there more in, because there are, what, eight in the four states that you're talking about and mostly in Tennessee? Yes. Like, what? why in Tennessee? Is there, is it the hub of a trucking industry or what is it about Tennessee that would make this person leave these bodies in Tennessee? I would, and this is mostly coming up to me summarizing and just telling you what I think, but I believe that when you're a trucker, you're going to be going through different states. And I believe that these murders specifically, if it was one person responsible, I believe that this was the beginning of him experimenting with this. So I believe that at no point in time did he think that someone would ever link these women together. So I believe that we see this cluster of victims happening because these are the women who have been found. 
These are the remains that have been found. And I believe that it happened across those specific states in a cluster because he wasn't being as careful as he may have decided to start being when he realized that people were onto him. And I noticed that either they couldn't tell the cause of death or they were strangulation. So nobody was shot. Nobody was, I don't think anybody was cut up, were they? No, I don't believe so off the top of my head, but keep in mind that if you are strangled, if you've been dead for a while and your remains have deteriorated, it's really hard to tell if someone has been strangled. Because there's no bruising. Yeah, so if someone has been deceased for a long time, they may say, we can't tell what the cause of death was because their body has deteriorated so much. Now, is there any way to get autopsies on any of these people? It would be very difficult, especially without the help of the detectives. Typically, family members can obtain autopsy reports. It's something that we could try to request. But if the detectives who are in charge of these unsolved cases are on our side or they're not pushing for us, it's basically going to be us contacting the medical examiner's office as a third party saying, hey, we would like this information. It's something that we could definitely try. Because so far, the detectives have not returned my calls or my messages. Because the only reason that we know Kathy was strangled, besides being hit with a blunt object, was because, you may already know this, but in your throat, there's a little, I forget what it's called. It's a bone that has two little horns on it that protects your windpipe. Do you know what that's called? Not off the top of my head, but I do know what you're talking about. Okay, and one of the little horns was broken off. Yeah. So to know that it was done by, they believe it was done from the front with somebody's thumb. So hers involves both a, a, usually strangulation from the front is a crime of passion. That somebody's angry, and then the blow to the back of the head is probably what killed her once she was on the ground. Anyway... You know, last week I visited where Lisa was first found, where her remains were found off the interstate. And I will say that there is a very large truck down the interstate from where her remains were found. And I did verify that truck stop, they did have one there at the time. So it's possible that is where she got into a trucker's truck. Now, Gemma, let me ask you this question. How many times have you ever seen a semi pulled over to the side of the road? How many times? Yeah, is it? Do you, if you saw one? Would you be suspicious of it? Um, I've only seen them like where they would be pulling over to rest. Like I've seen them on the Harbor Tunnel throughway, the Fort Henry Tunnel in Baltimore. There are places once you come out of the tunnel that a truck can pull over, but no, it's not something that I've seen very often. Have you? Yeah, I live in Indiana, and this may just be a thing because of our locations. Indiana is known for a place where truckers are driving through, just because if you're going to the West, you're either going to go through Indiana, Kentucky, or Tennessee the majority of the time. So truckers are very common here just to be driving through. Oftentimes, they may their truck may start overheating, or for whatever reason, the trucker has to pull over. So I I never think that it's suspicious if a trucker is pulled over to the side of the road. Sure. And I say that because if there's a trucker that was responsible for this, 
Uh-huh. I think that it would have been easy for them to just simply pull over to the side of the interstate and dump that body out at night. Let me ask you this. Here's what I would want to know. Let's say the truck stop is at point A and you're driving towards the truck stop. Is the body found on the same side of the road as the truck stop? Because if it is, let me think how, if it's not, then it would, I don't know how to explain this. It's usually a highway with a median, right? Yeah. And let's say the body is found, all right, the truck stop is on the right side of the highway as you're coming towards it, and the body's over on the left side. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you? This specific case with Lisa, if we were to theorize that this man was at the truck stop and that this location may be where he found her, so he would have then left the truck stop continuing down the interstate. It would have been the very next exit that Lisa was found off of. So he would have then exited the interstate. And there's a gas station back there, so it's possible maybe he went to this gas station. If you were to go to get back onto the interstate, that is the exit that she was found. So it would have been a continuing right. from where the truck right. stop is right. down right. to this other well, intersection. Could have picked her up there. So what's the motive for some for the kind of murders usually? If it's for this case specifically, we've titled this series as the Redhead Murders, and this is why right. the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation first titled them as well. Most of the women They did not have natural red hair, but their hair appeared red at the time. One could say that they were redheads. So it's possible that this man had a hatred for women who are red. Oftentimes, we find with serial killers, ones that we're able to talk to and come up with a reason for his crimes. Uh For some reason, these women could have reminded him of someone who abused him as a child, for example. So it's a psychological motive. Possibly a second, a second, a second one could be he could have had a hatred for specific redheads who were prostitutes. So maybe he it's possible that he felt like these women, because they were prostitutes, that he could do whatever he wanted and he would not be caught because there is such a stigma behind prostitutes. Now, they weren't all sexually assaulted, correct? We can't say that. We can say that there's not clear evidence just because of the state of decomposition at the time of their remains. Right. One of them, yeah, well, were fully clothed. Yes. And it didn't appear that there was any sexual assault. That's correct. However, you also have to keep in mind that we don't know the scenario. So when you get into a trucker's truck... <laughs> Okay, I'll remember this the next... I actually have been in one. Okay, so... They were dragging my car on a flatbed behind them, and I said, can I get up there with you? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, I don't care. My boss was driving behind us. He he said, Gemma, I'm not leaving you. And I said, yeah, but I want to ride up there. I had to climb up like four steps to get up there. Yeah, it's high. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So... Just because there was no evidence of a sexual assault, just because someone has their clothes on, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. She could have been doing it willingly. Yeah, she could have been doing something to the man at the time, and then he started strangling her. You're right. Okay. Yeah, and also keep in mind that trucks, most of the time they have a bed, so there's room in that. They live up there. Exactly. Exactly. So it's 
I think that this man lucked into a lot of things. One, there was and there continues to be a huge stigma behind women who are prostitutes who have sold sex for money. We can tell by looking through the newspapers, and this is what you'll hear in the first episode that I covered. I read one of the newspapers, one of the first ones, from when Lisa's remains were discovered. And I believe the language in it speaks volumes for the perception that we have for prostitutes because there would have been no reason to tell people that she had the second longest rap sheet for prostitutes in Nashville. That was not helpful to finding her killer. Sure, because people are going to say, yeah, and that's exactly what I concluded in that episode. It's almost like he was saying things to make it seem like she deserved it. And this was a quote that I said in the podcast that was in the newspaper that the detective that is in charge of her murder case said about her. He said that she had a drug problem worse than his car has a gasoline problem. Oh, geez. Now, Gemma, why would that be helpful for him to find the killer? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so here's my... Okay, I'm going to listen to your podcast, that one. It's called The Redhead Murders. Yeah, part one. Okay. The other thing, I, I didn't look to see the names of the newspapers, that the articles that you sent me, but I did look up all the newspapers in... What state? Tennessee. Tennessee. There's about six of them. And I was wondering if you think any of the journalists there want to write a story about this to get it back in the public Again. I think that's a great idea, especially because we're not having cooperation from detectives. So maybe their help can at least help us bring more attention to these women. If we can't solve the case, which likely without the help from the detectives, we're not going to be able to. But if we can't do that, at least we can try to find the identity of these women. Because right now, they're just labeled Jane Doe's with numbers. The other thing I was wondering is, has there been any Hollywood attention to this as in doing a, a movie made for TV or a Dateline? Or do you know if anything's ever been? Absolutely not. Up until... I started researching this case. Initially, I found the remnants of the possibility of it being a one person responsible for all of them. That happened about eight months ago. And I've been trying to catch up with cases where family members have reached out for me to cover their loved ones of cases. But when I started digging around and contacting people, <laughs> there suddenly started to become these online articles that were being written on like just a brief overview of the possibility of this being a serial killer case. I don't know if me digging around started these online small newspapers to start writing about this case, but you'll notice that all the articles are recent. Are, is there a Facebook page for the Redhead Murders? No, there is not. Why don't we set one up? Yeah, we can do that. That's easy. Isn't it? I don't know how to do it. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah I can set one Here up. Here I am like, yeah, here, Shane, do this. Yeah, I can set one up. We can just start to ask people to make contributions. And I don't know. We could even, do you want me to try and get in touch with some of these journalists at these newspapers and ask if they would be willing to talk to you? And Definitely. Okay. The other thing I wanted to ask you was when you visited that place, whatever, wherever it was in West Memphis. West Memphis. uh, It's actually in Arkansas. Okay. How were you able to find where she was found? In some of the newspaper articles, it describes the exit that she was found off of. 
Okay. And by looking through all those old articles, I was able to pinpoint the location on what side of the exit she was found in. And once I got there, it was pretty easy to see what they were talking about. The man that found her was a hitchhiker. And he was walking up the on-ramp. So there is a big grassland area, and they don't mow it. It's just overgrown with weeds and stuff. So it was quickly evident to me that would have been where her remains were found. The other one I thought was interesting, but probably like the last one on the list to even find anything about, was an older couple found just a bunch of bones and a skull. Yeah. And that one they made a clay figure out of. Yeah. The other one I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that that would have been one of the. I believe that they dated that near the end of these of the cases for these women. It's possible that the perpetrator started being a little smarter, realizing that he needed to start make it harder for these women to be found. So that it's still a possibility that she is connected. It's unfortunate because it's it will be harder for her to be identified because she was only the bones were found. Gemma is currently working on contacting reporters around Tennessee in hopes that we can get some momentum going. Something we are looking for now is someone who has been a trucker, for about 30 years at least. I would love to discuss what it was like for truckers 30 years ago and how this underground world of prostitution within the trucking community worked. Thanks for listening. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.